After a long time of battling, be content to abide with the people of God, still shining for them as a lamp. As we get older, our desire needs to be that we're still going to be a lamp for the Lord, that we're going to be that light, that we're willing to, maybe we can't really get out there and get as physical as we used to, but we can do something. We can pray. We can support them by giving them verses or words of wisdom or words of knowledge or using those gifts that the Holy Spirit gives you, enabling them to carry on those same divine enterprises that God has given to each of us. As you get older, continue to shine your light in this world. In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches the importance of elders and the wisdom that they offer. We never outgrow serving the Lord. No matter how old you get, you can still be used by God to shine His light into this dark world. There are younger people that need your wisdom, words of encouragement, prayers, and the gifts the Holy Spirit has given to you. You might not be able to be as active as you once were, but you can still carry God's presence. See who you can come alongside to mentor and disciple for God's glory and His radiance. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21 for today's edition of Come Alive. Where are we going to be? What are we going to be willing to take a stand on? Because we know the other side is out there in the malls. And I'm, this lady was not young at all. She had to be at least 65, 70 years old. And she's out there fighting. And she has the right to say whatever she wants because we live in America and there are laws that protect those rights and give her those rights and people that have fought and died for those rights. And I respect all of that. I just don't have to agree with her. And so where are we going to be? What are we going to take a stand on? Are we going to stand on the things that really matter to God or are we just going to kind of fold? So is his will our will or are we only concerned with our will? What we can get, how comfortable we can be. What famine do we see now? We see moral famines. We see this. At some point in some time, Christians need to decide, hey, you know what? We're either going to rock the boat or we're just going to stay in the boat. But the boat's a small place to stay. There's a whole world out there to allow us to run free. And we decide to stay on a boat because we don't want to offend or take a stand. We don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. And it might be very shallow water that we rock that boat in. Sometimes we think, oh, that's not going to affect me. That's not going to bother me. Maybe not. It may not affect you, but it may affect someone in your house, someone you know, someone down the road. Look at verse 3. We're covering a lot of ground today. Therefore, David said to the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I will do for you. And then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah, of Saul, whom the Lord chose, and the king said, I will give them. Pretty harsh when you think about this. David's got to find seven guys to hang, to pay the price. 
because of another person's mistake. And you might say, well, man, what's up with that? Well, to right the wrong. He, he had to right the wrong that Saul had perpetrated upon the Gibeonites. The sacrifice to pay was seven of Saul's grandsons. And so these guys came and they say, hey, doesn't your Bible say in Numbers? And if you think about this, you can write this down. Numbers 35, 33, that whoever sheds blood, that no atonement can be made except for the blood who shed it. Uh, so, you know, it, it reminds me, and it's funny how your worldly friend will quote the Bible to you when you blow it, right? Have you ever had that happen? I remember one time as a brand new Christian, I was doing something, and a buddy of mine came up and said, hey, doesn't your Bible say not to do this? And I remember thinking, holy cow, it does, and I'm doing it. Oh, what is going on? And that's what's going on here. Uh, See, the whole world has us under a microscope, and it's funny how much they know that we're supposed to keep the rules, and that's fine. They They need to. That's kind of like accountability, We need to understand that if somebody out in the world says that, that it's just as important, it could be God using them to say that. I mean, if God can use Balaam's donkey to talk, why can't he use your your unsaved next-door neighbor or that guy at work? So aren't you supposed to be this way or that way? Yet you don't. Ouch, that kind of hurts. So David says, whatever you want, man, we're going to do it for you. Not to please you, but to honor God. Uh, see, our motive needs to not to be to please the other guy, but to honor God. That's our ultimate goal is to honor and glorify God in all that we do. And so look at verse 7. It says, but the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth. This is a different Mephibosheth. The two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Mahaliothite, or the Michaeloblite. I don't know what that is. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on a hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days in the beginning of the barley festival. So seven here. As most of us know, seven represents the number of completion. In this, we see the household of Saul being judged because of Saul's sin. And sin will always catch up. Let me just say that. Sin will always catch up to you. And it will always catch up to you, and it will come to completion sooner or later. And so this isn't a real happy stuff here when you think about it. You're like, man, this is a... This is heavy-duty stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's Sunday. I want to walk out of here being a little happier. But you're right, it's not happy. But it's holy. See, God is keeping a promise made a long time ago. And and he's actually keeping his word. He does something that a lot of Christians don't do these days is keep their word. Even the Pharisees didn't do it. They made all kinds of rules to get out of keeping their word. And so do we do that? Do we allow our yeses to be yes and our noes to be no? I mean, there are those times where you may have forgotten, but quickly go and, and, and repair that. But most don't like this. I mean, they want God to keep his promises and all the good stuff, but we don't want him to keep the promises and the bad stuff. And, you know, good parents even know that. If you keep your promises in the good stuff, well, then you're, you're keeping your word to your children, but you're also keeping your word to your children when you've got to discipline them. Hey, if you do this, you're going to get in trouble. If you do this, you might get punished. If you do this, and then sometimes we're like, oh, you know, but they're so cute. 
I just can't handle when they cry. My daughter tries this a lot with me. I mean, she'll walk over to me and she'll just stand there and she'll just look down and she'll and and and, and man, it's a wrestling match in my heart. I'm like, man, okay, 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 stay strong. Don't look her in the eyes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> don't look at her eyes. Stare at her lip. No, don't look at her lips. Just look up at the sky. And I'm like, man, you know, you, you can't just do that stuff. She'll come in and she'll tell, Asa hit me. I'll bring Asa in the office. Asa, what happened? Well, she punched me 12 times. Did you hit her? No, I pushed her away from me. I got tired of being hit. And then she just stands there and, and you're just all like, don't look her in the eyes. And then Asa will look her in the eyes and go, it's okay, Elia. And I'm like, how does she have the power to do that? So I have to send her to her room and make her sit down. And then she cries. And you're just like, oh, poor kid. She probably doesn't understand. She's young. And then you're like, wait a minute. When Asa was five, we expected. And so, no, she gets to stay there. And yesterday, she just something as simple as she wanted me to buckle some skates. She had done something wrong. And I had to sit down and explain to her, hey, you know, you, you didn't do something for me. I asked you to do something. So I honored your request and, and took your no as no. And now you need to take my no as no. And she didn't like that at all, but she understood. And later on, she came back. She was like, hey, if I do something for you, will you buckle these skates for me? I'm like, no, you've got to go to bed. I'm, I, and I wanted to buckle them. I wanted her to have a little fun before she had to go to sleep. But I had to keep that promise, that punishment promise. I've also got to keep the good promises of daddy-daughter dates. And yes, you can eat cake for dinner one night a week if we go out on that date or ice cream or whatever she chooses. But I've got to keep those promises. And God is the same way. He says, hey, I'm going to keep that promise that was made so many years ago way back here in the book of Leviticus because I have to. Or I'm going to honor what Joshua and those guys. And see, this never would have happened if Joshua and those guys would have just went to the Lord and prayed and said, hey, Lord, do we make this deal with these people? Because you read that story, and they, they didn't check with God. And so this isn't real happy stuff, but it is holy. See, again, a lot of people, we don't like it. We want God to keep the promises on the good stuff, the abundance and all of that. But we don't want God to keep the promises in the fellowship of suffering and, and things like that. So, you know, many want to sow to the wind and not reap the whirlwind. Somebody paid the price for you and I, right? Jesus Christ paid that price for you and I. And what does that mean? We'll look at verse 10. Here's what it means. It says, Now Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven, so which is about six months. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told that Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, had done. And then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them up, after the Philistines had struck down Saul of Gilboa. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. And so here's what happens. Verse 14, we'll finish one more verse. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan and the son in the country of Benjamin and Zelah in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king had commanded. And after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. So what's going on here? This mother standing by watching the decay and just hanging out there, sad over this whole situation. And this shows that the bodies of these men were deliberately left unburied. And this was to emphasize the fact that these men were executed as an act of judgment. It was an act of judgment. Remember, it says anyone 
that's hung on a tree is a disgrace. And so they, they gathered the bones. And David gave these seven people a, a proper burial together with the remains of Saul and Jonathan. Because when he hears about this lady out there for this long, it reminds him, oh yeah, Saul and Jonathan, they're not where they need to be. So let's grab those bones. We'll bury them. And we'll bury these guys as well. Since we're having this big burial, we might as well do it all and get it all over with. Look at verse 15. It says, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbi, and these are tough names, Ishbi Binob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, that equals 30 pounds. And last night, just to let you know, I went out to my garage, I found a 30-pound weight to see how far I could actually try to chunk it and it probably made it about eight feet tops, maybe less. And so this thing was 30 pounds. It says, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid, struck the Philistine, and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, you shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. So what's going on here? Well, even great men of God grow old. You know, David takes in, he, he feels bad for this lady. They gather the bones, they bury these bones. And, but even great men of God grow old. And so David thinks, man, he's still got it in him and he's going to go out to battle. And here's this giant, another giant. And you and I will face more than just one giant. We, we know David faced Goliath. But in this battle against the Philistines, David's life was endangered because it says he grew faint in battle against the descendant of Goliath. And so what will the people do when they see weakness in their leader. What happens when you see weakness in a leader? Well, if the weakness can be understood, such as David's increasing frailty in old age, then they should rally around their leader and supply what he cannot. And that's what's happening here. You see Abishai comes to his aid. When David's strength failed, God protected him through the strength of others. And that's why it's important for us never, ever, 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 ever to be out of fellowship. A lot of people you'll see at church, and then one day you don't see them, and then you know months go by, and they show up, and then eight, nine, ten months, a year, you don't see them again, and you're like, man, I wonder what happens. I mean, there's a lot of times where I sit back, and I'm like, I wonder what's happened to, I haven't seen them in such a long time, and they tend to just get out of fellowship. But again, when our strength gets weakened, we need our friends, and we need those friends to be there. We need the strength of others. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. So it, it, it's good to have friends. It's good to be in fellowship. And, and, and then David's told you, you bro, we don't... Or, king, we don't want you to go out with us anymore. I mean, it's just, it's not good. Don't go to battle. In his advanced age, it was time for David to retire from the field of battle. And so his season as a warrior had passed. But that doesn't say that he gets to just sit and do nothing. There's other things that he can do. Look at verse 18. It says, now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And then Sibachai, the Hushathite killed Zaph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was a war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jer-Oregim, 
the Bethlehemite killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, and the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he was also born to the giant. I chuckle at that because the guy writing this probably was like sitting there like six fingers on each hand and each foot and started adding it up and going, whoa, that's, that's 24 digits there. That guy could do math probably better than most. And so, but, and that's a real condition. We have a friend that, and some of you remember Isaac that used to go to church here. He's, he's recently moved back to New Mexico, but he used to tell us he had a relative or a couple of relatives that had been born with this condition six fingers and six toes. And I'm like, man, we're, you know, and, and he's a tall dude already. And so usually you see this in very tall people. And so Jess and I would always call him a Philistine and we wouldn't let him eat at our table, but I'm kidding. But he did live with us. And so we'd always have these interesting conversations because he'd have these relatives and he's a tall, tall kid. So, you know, there's a story of somebody who had had this condition, but they weren't very tall. So I, I don't know if it has to do with the height or anything, but This guy had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. And uh, commentators like Alan Clark can't resist to remind us that this is a really known phenomenon. So this isn't a a solitary instance either. And I guess in 1649, this is the young lady and the the, daughter of the emperor of Java had actually had this condition as well, but she wasn't a giant. So anyway, let's go back. It says, fell by the hand of his servants. Part of the idea that David is conquering enemies is now so it'd be better for Solomon in the future. So you see what's happening here? I think David learns a lesson that, hey, you know what? I had to pay for, you know, something that Saul had done. And it was horrible that it came 40 years later. But what's that say to us is that, you know, your sin will be found out. It doesn't matter. There's a season. What you sow is what you reap. And so there's a season for everything, a season for everything. And like we've said before, you plant watermelons. We just recently planted watermelons. Well, two days later, we didn't have watermelons. And you might say, well, why not? Well, it takes a little while. It takes about 90 days for for that season to happen, for them to grow, to pop out of the ground, for them to be ready to, to go. So you'll see them within 90 days that you can possibly harvest them. So it just doesn't happen overnight. And so it took a little while for this thing to happen. So what David is doing is he's trying to conquer all these enemies so it'll be better for Solomon in the future. See, our present victory is not only good for us now, but what it does is it passes something important to the next generation. A lot of times we only concern ourselves with us. We don't worry about the next generation, but we need to. As Christians, we need to. We need to be willing to allow our children to be set up in a place where it's going to be great for them. The defeat of those four giants is rightly credited to the hand of David and the hand of his servants. They were serving David. David had a role in this through his example, his guidance, and his influence. And you think about this. It was because somebody looked back. Because remember the first giant, Goliath? Everybody was just frozen going, there's no way. And this young boy goes down and defeats a giant? Well, there are going to be other giants in your life. We see that here. And when those giants come, it's good to have those friends to be able to stand next to you and help with those giants. I don't know what your giant is. It could be smoking. It could be drinking. It could be some jerk at work. I don't know what it is. But whatever giants you have, it's great to have friends that can say, hey, you know what? Well, we'll go do battle with you, bro. Let's get on our knees and we start to pray for this giant of yours. And so, again, Let those who, after long service, find themselves 
waning in strength. After a long time of battling, be content to abide with the people of God, still shining for them as a lamp. As we get older, our desire needs to be that we're still going to be a lamp for the Lord, that we're going to be that light, that we're willing to, maybe we can't really get out there and get as physical as we used to, but we can do something. We can pray. We can support them by giving them verses or words of wisdom or words of knowledge or using those gifts that the Holy Spirit gives you, enabling them to carry on those same divine enterprises that God has given to each of us. I mean, we have to think about it. We've been given a great torch to run with. And a lot of times we just stand there and look at it and go, look, that's cool. What do I do with this? We burn ourselves with it because we are not obedient to the Lord. And we wonder why we find ourselves drowning in a famine. And we're kicking and thrashing around and our lifeguard, our savior standing there just a few feet away, not far going, hey man, I'm waiting for you. I'm here. I just can't do it because, well, you're still trying to do it in your own understanding. And so what's there going to be? Well, there's always going to be giants if you want something to take home with you. There's always going to be giants. Number two, giants will go down with friends. If you're a little weak and you got giants, find some friends. And number three, giant killing is contagious. Giant killing is contagious. I love killing the enemy when you think about it. And I hate Satan. And I love when I can take out part of whatever he's trying to do and ruin it for him. And you know, the whole thing, the feelings mutual on his end. He loves trying to take me out as well. He loves trying to take you out. But together, oh, what power there is in an army. You send one guy out to fight 10 guys. Well, he may be able to do it. But if we had 10 on 10, it's a little easier. It's a little easier to bear. See, if you can beat a giant, tell your friends. Let your friends know. David, when he beat the first giant, everybody knew. So this time, these next giants, everybody was like, hey, and look how old David is going out there to fight these guys. And they're like, whoa, bro. And look who kills the giant. Not David, but Abishai. He saw the example. Hey, if David could do it, I can do it. And so he does it. So once you kill one giant, you'll start wanting to kill more giants. That habit, whatever it is, that pride, you can beat them. They're beatable. God tells us they are. He he doesn't give us these things and say, you can be holy because he's like, oh, they'll never be holy. No, he wants us to be holy. He gives us ways to be holy. Well, we know that. Why would he give us something that we can't do? We can't do it in our own strength, but we can do it with him. And he wants us to rely on him as our savior, the way the lifeguard had to wait for the energy to leave the big man so he could pull him safely to shore. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Mark's teaching in the book of 2 Samuel. We wish we had more time to spend with you, but sadly, we need to wrap up our broadcast today. Right now, though, you can hear more from Come Alive by visiting our website, At Come Alive Radio, you'll be able to listen to past teachings, connect with us on Instagram, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd love to meet you, too, so consider yourself invited to our Sunday services at Calvary Chapel Katy. You can find out more at comealiveradio.com or give us a call at 281-391-5503. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer. Before we end our time with you, Tracy has a request to share. Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God not what other people around us are saying. With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. 
Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in to Come Alive.